The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand cave rescue operation. What is schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? engagement How long before gift? a wedding should I send out save the dates? The first Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find. We were four years Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. My name is Benjamin Shapiro, and I'm the executive producer of the Voices of Search podcast. And today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by our friend Tyson Stockton, who is the co-founder and educational partner at Previsible, which is an SEO consulting and education company that helps support enterprise businesses scale organic search traffic and educate their organizations. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. All right, here's an episode of the Voices of Search podcast, guest hosted by Tyson Stockton from Previsible. Hey, my name is Tyson Stockton from Previsible.io. And over the next few days, we're going to be talking about SEO strategy. Joining me today is Brandon Chicola, uh, who is Senior Director of SEO at Overstock.com. Overstock is a tech-driven online retailer based in Salt Lake City, Utah, offering a broad range of products from the latest trends from furniture and decor to kitchen appliances and bath products, all at the lowest prices. And today, Brandon and I, were starting the conversation with building the groundwork to your SEO strategy. All right, here's my conversation with Brandon, Senior Director of SEO at Overstock. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Tyson. Thanks for having me. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, good to catch up with you. It's been a while. 
Yeah, we've been talking for a while. I mean, we've known each other for years now, worked together on projects. So I think it's a long overdue to have you on the podcast, but really excited to have you on for these topics too around SEO strategy. And I think with this episode too, like everyone just wants to, to jump right into like initiatives and tasks and things like that. But I like that you framed up this, you know, first conversation into like the groundwork. And I think there's, it's one of the most important stages to it. Because obviously, if you don't put in kind of the legwork or put in those foundation elements, how good or accurate can the strategy really be? So maybe just to, to kick things off, like when in your mind, what are some of like the, the first steps that you need to be going through to get to the point that you have like an effective and good SEO strategy? Yeah, um, I think I think the first thing that you need to remind yourself of is being humble, <laughs> right? Like SEO does not operate in a vacuum. Like there are outside factors that are going to help help or hinder you. Like what's going on with paid search? Like having at least an understanding of like what's the environment in which SEO sits? Is it like a primary critical core of the company that's driving fifty percent of the traffic, or is it like hi I'm SEO? Like I'm over here. <laughs> You know, so, so it's like, you know, part of it is, is is knowing where you stand. But I think in terms of frameworks, and this is why I mentioned like the other channels, is you need a way to connect with them first off, right? Like you're all moving in the same direction. And so your framework for your strategy uses a start in a way that's already like on the channel. And so there, I think it's just, it's simple enough to just ask yourself the big questions. Like, who is your audience? Why would they connect with your brand? What's your value proposition? And does anyone buy it? <laughs> I would say the second piece is what are they after? And like, where are they in their journey? Um, and, and I like to use the example of like I've been shopping for headphones a couple of years back. And lots of people talk about a funnel, some people talk about the consumer journey. I don't care if it's McKinsey or Forrester or whatever. But the model there always assumes like a linear path, which is not the case, right? I can have 20 tabs open and I could be doing both like research mode, have a window open for, you know, Twitch or whatever, you know, watching some producer like produce a track. And I could also have a comparison mode open and almost be ready to check out all at the same time. Right. We're humans. We, we contradict ourselves a lot. And so I think you have to build in those assumptions. And also knowing that, that SEO covers a larger part of your consumer journey than a lot of channels. If you're an e-commerce site, people tend to focus on the buy and they get frothy at the mouth at the buy phase. But one of the things we learned, I think, in the pandemic is that it accelerated the change in search behavior. People don't just search for running shoes anymore. They search for which running shoes are vegan-friendly. Right? Like it's just like, like, whoa, what happened? But that tells you a lot, right? It tells you a lot about, hey, there's an audience. They're very enthusiastic about not using leather. How do you build a feature for that if you're selling shoes, right? So it's just kind of like stepping back and looking at, at what's going on in the search results. Google's already showing you what's happening in the consumer journey. Like if you're not looking at the search results, you're not paying attention. It's no longer the world of 10 blue links, right? Like, we know this. Rand Fishkin has talked about a lot about this. It's Spartoro. Like you and I have talked about this for ages. And uh, 
how do you capture those other parts of the consumer journey? Like, how do you be relevant and top of mind? A lot of folks want to talk about product web SEO, but like SEO is still marketing in a lot of ways. And like you have to know, like, yeah, there is there are these things like repetition, being visible makes you top of mind, right? That that leads you from the awareness to the consideration to the evaluation to uh, the, the buy phase or the conversion phase, and then post-conversion, like, did they have a good experience? That's the feedback loop. And that's changing all the time, right? It's not just Google, like. Now we have like Pinterest and TikTok and all of these other different ways of finding brands and finding products that, that actually work for us. So um, the third part of this is kind of like the, the last two questions, which is when and how are they going to interact with you as a brand? So we're just talking about like, you know, we have these explosion of devices, right? Like at any given time, I could have like three or four devices around me, right? We're all kind of cyborgs now. But all of these devices and all these different platforms, whether it be Google, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, Instagram, whatever, they all have different biases in terms of time and timing. Um, and it's a, kind of a phrase I stole from Douglas Rushkoff, um, but he, he oftentimes mentions this difference between time versus time. Time is data wreck your car. Timing is knowing to tell dad you wrecked the car after he's had a scotch, right? <laughs> so... You know, if I'm in my car and I'm doing a search by voice on my phone, I have that is a like I have an immediate need that needs to be solved. Right? Like I'm looking for gas, I'm looking for a charging station, I'm looking for food, water, something. You know, like it's immediate. Um, whereas if I'm just sitting on the couch and my my tablet, like scrolling around, I'm just second screening. Like, eh, I'm not interested in buying anything right now. You know, and so I think. That's kind of the, the, the first way to start working with things um, is, is understanding how those, those different basic questions interact. And they're going to be different across those channels. And so it also may play more weight on SEO, um, especially in the upper to mid funnel, you could say, or the, 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 the earlier phases of the consumer journey. Um, I think from there, then, then that's when you get into like the meat of, of like the, the standard like SEO auditing and, and competitive landscaping. And competitive landscaping is kind of, it's always kind of a fun exercise because you can, a company can say, oh, my competitor is Home Depot or whatever, right? But then you get into the search results and you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> there are sometimes like, like, like the, the real world uh, competitors. And then there's like what's actually happening in the online space. And those can sometimes be very different. So even as, how do I say even as like, the, the landscape is constantly changing, what we're noticing now is there are a lot more niche offerings that are coming up. So it's not just a Home Depot now. You, you know, Ace Hardware is making a comeback, right? But you've got these like those are like the brands that have been known. But then you have like other smaller brands that are starting to come in, um, especially in the home and garden space. Also, you know, like pretty much all of the big niches, whether you're coming from fashion, you know, you know luxury, doesn't matter. Like. There are all of these new niche providers that are popping up. Like you've got a Poshmark and Modzi or whatever. Like, and they're all kicking ass because they're providing a product or a feature that no one else is. Um, and so I think that's the connection that um, I think a lot of folks miss between someone like Eli Schwartz's book about product led SEO and sort of the more marketing side. It's, it's not just blue ocean thinking. You have to do the blue sky thinking. Sort of like, know your whereabouts, like where does SEO sit in an organization? 
How is it contributing to the consumer journey? And then you have your data, right? Which is doing your deep dive SEO audit, doing your competitive landscaping, filling out your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, risks. And, and that can take you some time. Um, I think something else that executives don't quite understand in that process is like, what we're talking about could take you three months, could take you six months if you're really digging in and just understanding the space. So just to recap, I think it's you know, ask yourself the basic questions. You know, know where SEO sits in the organization. Is it a big or is it is it little? Are you wanting to make it big? Are you wanting to say, hey, you know what? 70% SEO is probably not healthy in your marketing mix. Like, let's pull this back a bit. Yeah. You know, you may have to have those kind of conversations. But all of that is part of the initial foundation of how you start a strategy. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. I, th- I think that's a great point to remind the listeners that the foundation of the strategy doesn't start with an SEO audit. And so it's like you hit on the point of first understand the world that you're operating in from within the organization. It's like, where does it sit? What's the awareness? What's, is it the proper like mix for the, like the organization? But that gives you kind of like the groundwork of like, okay, this is the playing field internally that we're dealing with. And then you're bringing up what is the actual need of the audience what how are they interacting what's their journey like and so then you're not falling into that kind of trap of just last transactional like competing at the tail end of the funnel but so it's like you're kind of setting up your entire your funnel or your buyer's journey of the audience of where where do you need to be present and so i think it's also refreshing to hear that reminder of hey, this is still within a marketing objective as far as how do we ultimately attract, engage, and then convert this audience. And that, I think, is a really important piece that a lot of SEOs might kind of overlook in jumping just into, 
hey, I found 120 errors or opportunities within the site that need to be just this laundry list executed. And I think that is a big difference. There's SEO to-dos or task, but that doesn't necessarily mean an SEO strategy. Exactly. And I think that's the difference between a tactical you know, approach to SEO, which we need, obviously. Like, There's always something to fix. And SEOs are the ones you see the forest and the trees and the insects and the spore mold, right? Like it's our job to have that kind of telescoping, microscoping way of looking at the world. And the reason I, I kind of say that you have to kind of take this like bigger kind of like step back moment in, in forming a strategy is, is you could be an in-house SEO or you could be an agency SEO, right? And this approach is simple enough to work for both, you know, because you could have, you know, hey, you may not just have one client. Right, like meaning you're an in-house SEO and like your client is whoever the executive is who's running the initiatives, you could be, you know, running seven, you know, and all of those are going to be different. You know? So I think that's that's kind of like the important piece there. So let's say you, you now like ask those questions, you pull back, you understand where where SEO sits in terms of the organization, you understand what the need is, what the ask is, and sometimes they'll be unreasonable, but um, that, that's just part of your fun and challenges that, that, that come with come with being an SEO. The, the next step after you've kind of gone through your audits and you've gone through your break fix and like and then your competitive landscaping is uh, what aren't your competitors doing? Like, are there gaps in terms of hey, I'm you know I'm searching for vegan friendly running shoes, right? Like, who has an experience for that right now? Like, no one, right? But you can see it, and people also ask. You can see it in you know some of these other you know a lot of the tools you can see for like what questions people are asking or whatnot. And no one has an experience for it because they don't know what the capabilities. Are. So this is where I would say like more of your like Eli sports thinking of a product that SEO really comes in is you know that that one little phrase like which vegan which you know running shoes are vegan friendly already that tells you a ton right. Tells you about the audience, tells you about what they're after, tells you what they will buy. How do you help that person shop? You know, just having a landing page for running shoes isn't enough, right? Just adding content to the page isn't going to help. You need some kind of feature or product-driven piece there that says, hey, here's a bunch of different ways that you could shop for sneakers. Like, I'm a sneakerhead versus like, no, I just want to go running and don't like killing animals. <laughs> you know, you have to be able to build um, new ways for people to shop. Um, if you're in e-commerce, similarly for a house. Um, I remember once I was working on a really large real estate site, and uh, you know, we were supposed to go out for a meeting in Colorado or whatever. So we're just like, oh, let's see, you know, what's what's the first thing that comes up? I'm searching for homes like near Denver, and uh, it was a cave. It was a three million dollar cave. <laughs> it was the first result. Right, like, so there's very simple things that we don't necessarily think about all the time, but that's like a those are where you're like your product-led kinds of roadmaps actually really really help. You know, uh, even just yesterday I was poking around the uh, a website and was like, why do I have a page with one result with a title that is completely preposterous? Like, just and lots of big e-commerce sites do this. You have to have a sense of how broken are we is probably the next step. You know, 
understanding what capabilities you have to drive SEO changes on a website. Do you have the buy-in of products? Do you have the buy-in of engineering? Do you have the buy-in of your search team? Um, lots, of, lots of times in, in companies, you, you have a search. You may have been a search engine, let's say, but are you actually working with them? You know, you're working with them, you're working with their data. Pulling all that together controls the quality of your page. We're talking about expertise, authority, trust, which lots of people talk about all the time. Google's not going to rank you if you just got a page of inventory puke. Like, look, one page of inventory puke is the same as any other page of inventory puke. <laughs> what are we doing? So I think it's, um, it's really looking at what power do you have? So again, that, that kind of brings it back to the beginning of like, where are you in the organization and how big is SEO as an initiative itself? If you've got the buy-in of, of these other stakeholders, you can do a lot. But if you have no capabilities of changing how titles are generated, how URLs are generated, how the recall works in a page, you're going to struggle mm-hmm. for sure. I like the, going back just a little bit, but I like the piece of, Thinking like when you're doing the competitor audits and not just be focusing on those direct core competitors. And, you know, going back further, when we're talking about like understanding the entire buyer's journey, like you're going to have different competitors at different points or different stages. And like in the example you're giving with running shoes, well, even if you look at the most broad top of funnel search of running shoes, when you look into the rankings, you're going to see that blended informational transactional type pages. And so even on a term like running shoes, well, you're going to have a lot of competitors that may be blog editorial sites. So if I'm a retailer, I'm selling running shoes, I have to be looking at to someone like Runner's World or these like editorial type sites that are present and have those type of experiences. And so then from the e-com side, it's like, okay, what type of content am I putting out there that's going to satisfy that early stage discovery type queries beyond just a category page or a product page? Yep, exactly. You know, for instance, like a, if, if you're looking at a set like Modsy, for instance, like they, you know, some of them, you know, have this ability of like, hey, I can take a photo of my room and an and an expert designer is going to design my room for me. And then I can just shop whatever I want from that work, right? Like those kinds of surf, like that's neat, right? Like those are like kind of brilliant examples. If you're doing the running shoes thing, like, hey, you go into like a, I think it's called a road runner, for instance. And like, you know, they'll just have you walk on this treadmill. But this treadmill is like doing all this machine learning on your body and like going, oh, you're, you're parading your you know, your left instep or whatever it is, and you probably want this shoe rather than this other shoe. Like, those are services that make people's lives better. It makes this connection to people. So if you're providing those kinds of experiences for people, you're going to succeed, right? At the end of the day, SEO isn't just search engine optimization, it's an experience optimization, right? And that's a, that's a great point too, on like the experience of it. And in the past, we've played around with the, you know, clickstream data too. And I think it's, it's a good reminder to SEOs out there when you're sizing the market and you're sizing and looking at search volume, like one, you're looking at the opportunity at different stages. 
But then also when it comes to these experiences, whether it's what you mentioned from being able to look at a room and have a designer come in or from having that, you know, feedback on like your like again analysis from like a running strike, you're offering more value to the user, but then you're also creating something that is not producible within the SERP itself. So in the question of like, no click searches and if and a while back like we did something within kind of like the resume space and like everyone was going after the keyword resume because it had such a high search volume but really when you looked at click activity things like resume builders or things that were interactive was driving more traffic because you could get the samples within the SERP but you can't get that interactive element And so I think it's an important piece where obviously when you're setting your strategy, you're looking at the size of the opportunity, but then you have to also layer in and factor like what is the actual ability to then drive the user deeper into your site or deeper into like their journey through the content things that you're providing. Right. And it's going to be different for different industries too. You know, lots of CMOs like roll over like a total addressable market kind of thing, right? But in reality, like, what's the remaining market, right? Like, if I'm if I'm an e-commerce site and I'm not Nike, like, I'm never going to outrank Nike for Nike, right? So these like, these like simple concepts you have to like kind of like start pulling people back from the from the cliff, like total addressable market, and sort of like what's the remaining market that's reasonable? I would say what's the what's the total reasonable market <laughs> to coin my own, I guess. And all of the tools have their own ways of kind of guesstimating what those values are based on search volume and dynamic click-through rates and blah, blah, blah. Most of them, wink, wink, do kind of overestimate by about 8 or 9%. And so you also have to go kind of like, I don't know that from your own like days in the, the tranches. And knowing what's reasonable is, hey, you know what? Like, I'm on page two, page one's reasonable. Can we just get there? Like that's like, it's kind of like, you know, you just started a, a sprint and, you know, you're going to be running 25K or whatever. Like, no, 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 we just started. We're good. We're, 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 you, know. <laughs> you know, it's building, we're building momentum. Um, and so you're also going to get requests for like, you know, that, that total decimal market. And you kind of have to step back and go, let's not boil the ocean because you don't pay us enough budget to buy that data. Kind of situation, and you're going to run into that too. Um, and so, what's the quickest way of getting a sense of what that that value is? Because you're going to need a number at the end of the day. Everyone's going to ask you for a number, and so I think that is also a really big piece of building the initial strategy. I mean, the foundations for it is what numbers are you going to use? So, if you know your audience, you know your consumer journey. Am I going to report on conversions or am I going to report on traffic or am I going to report on impressions? What's my number? Because if there's a conversion rate optimization specialist, there's an email marketer, like they've got different numbers. So depending on which part of that journey you're really going after for your growth, that's going to define like how you build the data to address the market. And so um, I think I think those are the things I would look at in terms of like how you think about building your foundational strategy. I feel like that's a that's a perfect kind of summary from this. 
I completely agree that that's like you have to take that kind of open mindset in the beginning, reminding yourself that this is a marketing function in like the goals and the objectives of what we're achieving, but not to forget about those organizational elements the internal assets, who you're competing against, and then ultimately to like, what are you driving towards? I think that's a great also kind of precursor to our conversation tomorrow. But that wraps up this conversation on the Voice of Search podcast. Thanks to Brandon, a senior director of SEO at Overstock for joining us in part two of this series, which we'll publish tomorrow. Brandon and I are going to dive into the topic of actually creating the SEO strategy. If you can't wait until the next episode and would like to learn more about Brandon, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in the show notes or visit his company's website at overstock.com. Okay. Thanks to Tyson Stockton, our guest host. If you'd like to get in touch with Tyson, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Tyson underscore Stockton. Or if your team is interested in SEO consulting or organizational education, you can always head to their company's website, which is previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to voicesofsearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet, and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. Music.